Hello, fellow friends, family degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Caged Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your co-host along with Buck of MMA Nerd. Buck, give a quick hello out to our massive audience tonight. What's up, everybody? I am so glad to be back and to redeem myself. Uh, redeem myself from what? Maybe a less than stellar s- selection of picks from well, the last card. We probably shouldn't have started Maybe with less that. than stellar. Uh, we're doing really, really good overall. Last time was a little bit rough. Uh, but hey, you know what? We're moving forward, and so are you. UFC 281. You know, we're, we're really exciting card. Uh, Izzy Adesanya in the main event, along with Alex Bahia. Carlos Sparza is taking on Zhang Wei Li. We have one of the best, most exciting matchups I can possibly imagine. I want to thank the UFC personally for putting this together versus, uh, with Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. Uh, we're going to try and, again, stick to 30 minutes or less. I'm not going to waste any time doing a whole lot of banter. Uh, so we're going to jump right into this motherfucker. Uh, first one we're going to talk about, well, I'm not going to talk much about it because, quite frankly, I don't give a shit about this fight. But I know Buck does. Buck loves this fight. It's all he can talk about. Molly McCann versus Aaron Blanchfield. Take it away. Crickets on this side. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so here's what I got to say about Molly McCann, Aaron Blanchfield. I was absolutely shocked to see the odds on this one. Aaron Blanchfield is a minus 410 favorite. Molly McCann is plus 330 Crazy. as the underdog. I'm going to say absolutely jump on this one molly mccann is as a 330 underdog is insane she has really good takedown defense she hits like a truck she's way faster than blanchfield i like blanchfield's jujitsu but she's not going to be able to get it down and keep it down with molly i think molly pieces her up yeah well on top on top on top of that wins by decision um, let's just be honest here molly mccann meatball molly got a lot of hype on her name right now her patty pimblet with dave portnoy over at uh, Barstool Sports, and you know they know how to be in the big spot or in the in the you know in the in the big position in the spotlight, and they're able to capitalize on that. I know this is Aaron's; it's her first fight in the UFC, right? Has she? Uh, she's had a couple, yeah, I don't, I don't but this is definitely her, her biggest like, at all. Yeah, uh, you know, it, there's just too many goddamn fighters in the UFC right now to to focus on all of them. This one surprised me; uh, jumped off the page. So, that being said. Uh, do you want to start? You want to talk about Reyes, Ryan Spanner at all, or you just want to jump right into the main card? Does that one interest you enough? Uh, take take Dominic Reyes. I mean, yeah, he's coming off a couple of losses, but it's to the best of the best. Jiri Prochaska, the current champion. You guys heard of John Blahovich. Jones? Yeah, he's John Jones, good. Jan Blahovich. I, I think he's all right. I've I've heard good things. Uh, he is taking on Ryan Span, who has looked good at times, pedestrian other times. Uh, Reyes has not had a W since 2019. He takes a lot of time off in between knockouts, it seems like. But from a talent perspective and a, and a, and a ceiling, I see him as a much higher level competitive fighter than I do Ryan Spann. Uh, the odds are minus 215 for Dominic Reyes, plus 185 for Spann. I say go relatively heavy on Dominic Reyes. Your thoughts? Anything you'd add to that? Okay. Great choice. Reyes over Fantastic. span, knocks him out in two. All right, next up, entering to the main card. This is this Saturday, by the way. I hope that you knew that. Uh, but if you didn't, now you know. Dan Hooker, minus 145. Claudio Poyez, plus 125. 
Uh, let's talk about this one because Dan Hooker, uh, you know, he's had a few losses in a row. Uh, makes you wonder if he was even to be. I think he's holding on by a thread. I mean, you know, even in the top fifteen at this point, when he looked like he was going to be a title contender two to three years ago. What are your thoughts on this? Well, so this is his first fight back up at one fifty-five. He tried to cut down back down to featherweight. Um, fought Arnold Allen. Yep. Just looked awful. Just a huge cut. Looked too slow. Um, back up at one fifty-five. One fifty-five is where he belongs, man. And yeah, he's had some losses, but it's to killers. I, I Islam Mahashev and Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier. I mean, he really does go with the best. And when he's fighting people that aren't the best, he shows them what's what. And Dan Hooker is hard to take down. He's got good recovery. He is a threat to take to people who are trying to take him down with these awesome knees up the middle. Um, Dan Hooker has wins over Gilbert Burns, of all people. Uh, who's now up at welterweight. Um, Dan Hooker's got a win. If you want to make a bet, Dan Hooker has a win at heavyweight uh, in his career. So you can trust Dan Hooker will scrap every single time. Claudio Poyas is good. He's uh, a tricky, sneaky grappler. He's got a lot of – he's got – well, he's got three knee bar submissions in his six fights in yeah. the UFC, which is insane. For anyone that doesn't know, um, that is a extremely difficult – submission to get at this level in the game especially when you're doing both strike like when you're doing mma versus just jujitsu very difficult to pull that off even in a jujitsu tournament and and even harder i would say in mma so that's a really that's why we bring that up still though i just don't think he's going to be able to catch somebody as slick as dan hooker he's just too much of a veteran hooker minus 145 is is the right move i think he pieces him up yeah and on top of that dan hooker's leg kicks and that's the one thing that you got to really worry about when you're a grappler, because once your legs get chewed up after you know a, a full round of that, then your ability to to explode in and get any kind of takedown or drag him to the mat is seriously compromised. I agree. I think Dan Hooker, you know, he's one of those. This is another one of the situations, and I think we're going to see a couple more that we're going to talk about, where you can't look at the at the hype of the last fight, or in this case, the letdown of the last few fights. You need to look at the overall body of work. And if you look at the overall body work, whether it be Dan Hooker or Dominic Reyes, you can see that the people that they lost to are the elite best of the best. And now they're going to go and take on somebody that might be an up and comer or, you know, they've had moments of looking good. You know, like uh, Ryan Spann had a, had a big win against Ian Kutaleba his last time out. A lot of people are going to look back at that and be like, oh, well, he beat Ian. He looked great. And Dominic Reyes hasn't won for three years. Oh, we have to go with Ryan Spann. That's a that's a, no. You you don't have to go with Ryan Spann. You need to look at the body of work and look at who he's lost to and look at the type of progress he's made in between those fights. So, all right, but I'm get off my fucking high horse over here. Jesus, listen to me. God, it's the soapbox. Wow, episode, I'm just talking sure. down to people right now. So, are you gonna take Dan Hooker or, or not? There you go. Dan Hooker's the way to go. He's all right. So this next one. Up. Frankie Edgar versus Chris Gutierrez. I, I'm torn on this one. Uh, Frankie Edgar is plus 195. Gutierrez is minus 230. For those that don't know, this is the swan song fight for Frankie Ed- Edgar. He's 41 years old. He's had, gosh, an amazing career. And, you know, look back on, on the fights. I was looking at, at some of his previous fights today. Uh, BJ Penn, 
Sean Shirk. You go back, I mean, it's like before they even started making UFC cards or posters or selling out arenas, he was out there fighting, uh, you know, the, the one of the best trilogies I've ever seen. Did it go to trilogy? Was it, was, uh, yeah, with Gray Maynard. Yeah, it did go with to Gray trilogy. Maynard, yeah. That comeback that he had in the first one was unbelievable. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this? I think, uh, by the way, Puelas, or, or excuse me, no, uh, sorry, I'm looking at my list. Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Uh, he's 31 years old. He's on a six-fight win streak. Edgar's 41, coming off. He's 3-1 and in his last four fights. Your thoughts, go. Frankie Edgar, um, uh, this is a winnable fight for Frankie Edgar, which I like for his last fight uh, of his career. He is coming off of his loss to Cheeto Vera, Marlon Vera. Um, you know what? I went back and watched that. Fight. It really was. That, that even though Frankie lost that fight by knockout in the third round, there was like a minute and change left in that fight. And if it went one more minute, Frankie wins it. He yep. really impressed me. The thing I saw in that fight was that, that really encouraged me for Frankie is how well he picks his angles, gets into the, the pocket, exchanges, gets his strikes off, hits the body, hits the head, a couple of back-and-forth hooks, and then angles out uh, and and retreats out of danger. And he moves on his feet so, so well, and he's got awesome top control. What I saw in that fight that made me nervous is even though Frankie was the 155-pound champion, he has since gone down two weight classes, and Marlon Vera at 135 looked giant compared to him. It is amazing how Frankie is still so small, even two weight classes down. And Chris Gutierrez is bigger than Cheeto. So that is going to be, I think that's going to be Chris Gutierrez's biggest advantage. He's he's an athlete. He's younger. He's in his physical prime. He's like substantially bigger than Frankie. And... The best technique that I saw out of Gutierrez yep. was his leg kicks. Um, he has a leg kick yep. TKO, I think I remember, and just blasts those suckers. And that's what you have to do against mobile fighters like Frankie Edgar. But I just – that's still a winnable fight. I think Frankie has just levels above – in terms of uh, grappling skill, his takedowns, um, his top pressure. I have not been impressed with Gutierrez on the ground. Um, and so I think Frankie can get in there and and hold get, get him down and hold him down. And Gutierrez is a threat, but I think this is a winnable one for Frankie. I'll take okay. it by decision. I, I struggle. I struggle so much with this one because I, I agree with you with Gutierrez. And, you know, that that youth and having such a dominant singular skill set with the leg kicks. I mean, that's the one thing that if you've seen that, you know, changed the game in MMA over the last five years, it's the calf kick. Um, and it does so much nowadays to slow down the the agile fast fighter, uh, especially one that has to make big, quick movements like Frankie Edgar's going to need to do to be able to get inside the pocket because he is the smaller fighter. Uh, Frankie Edgar has got a tremendous amount of toughness. He's got a great chin on him. But here's the thing. When you, and, and you're not there yet, but I am, 
you know, I'm 43 years old. Uh, there's a lot of changes that happen when you hit 40 and there's a reason why there's a massive drop off. And sometimes you see a massive drop off in between fights and whether that's purely physical or, um, maybe it's, you know, somewhat mental, or maybe it's because they've got so many other weighing responsibilities on them with the family, with kids, with activities, this, this, and this that cause people to not be able to compete north of 40. Now, this is his swan song, right? So he's going to probably come in there and give it everything he has. And, and man, he did look really, really good against Cheeto Vera. Uh, but I have a really difficult time putting my money on someone that's 41 years old in a swan song uh, at 135, two weight classes below where he's fought before against a guy that's 6-0, and or that's one of his last six fights. Does he, he has a loss, right? Does he? I don't remember. He's got, yeah, one or two. Uh, he's got one um, or two. And so I'm going to go with Gutierrez, but I'm not very confident on it. If I were you and and I was a betting man, while I think that Gutierrez is going to win and uh, Buck thinks Frankie Edgar is going to win, I think the odds are good enough to put a little bit of money on Frankie Edgar if you want kind of a fun underdog play. Good enough? Okay, good enough for me. That's good enough. Good enough. All right, so now is the the you know the the headline main card title fights etc. Dustin Poirier minus two fifteen, Michael Chandler plus one eighty five. This has a probably a pre buy as one of the most exciting potential fights of the year. Could be fight of the year candidate. God, I hope so. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Is a certified banger. guaranteed banger. banger. This is going to be a blast. This is going to be a blast, and 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 what's more, I think it's going to be a a, a blast um, on the feet. It's going to just be a, a slugfest, just like uh, Gaethje and Chandler was. Um, why I think that is, um, when Michael Chandler can't outstrike somebody he his next move his follow-up is i'm just gonna hold them against the cage and beat the crap out of them um and that worked all through bellator um and and he did that against Oliveira in the first uh first round um he wasn't able to do it to gaichi gaichi because he gaichi just has that like freak wrestling athleticism and was able to like muscle his way back up um but chandler didn't really want to take that one to the ground it seemed but with Poirier, I don't think he's going to be able to take it to the ground. Um, Poirier's got the awesome uh, American top team wall yep. walk that uh, Mike Brown teaches everybody over there. I think it is one of your rules is I think Dustin Poirier is going to be able to dictate where this fight takes place because Michael Chandler is going to be the one who wants to initiate a takedown, and I don't think he's going to be able to yeah, secure well, it. Well, okay. So, yes, I agree with you in a way, but I think that the fight's going to play out uh, – it's going to come back. It's going to come down to striking efficiency and, and over reliance and power. So, like, let's say for example, you know, with with Michael Chandler, what do we see with him often when he's in a big fight? So he he, you know, he's really quick. That first five minutes, he's one of the most dangerous fighters in the UFC by far, right? Because he's got that massive overhand right. Uh, he can mix in a takedown, and the way that he sets all this up is he keeps getting, you know, jabbing to the body, straight right to the body, 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 gets him up against the cage, and then uncorks this overhand right that just becomes devastating. Uh, if he doesn't get somebody out in round one, he has not fared very well in round two. 
Dustin Poirier is 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 really really big for the division, right? He's he's just a big big dude. Uh, he's got really good credentialed grappling. You know, he doesn't. I don't think he came from a real strong wrestling background, but he trains over at American Top Team. But what he does have is he's got a chin, he's got size, he's got length, and he's got better striking. He's got more avenues to win the fight than Chandler does. And I think that he's good enough and savvy enough to get himself out of that first round where, where Chandler's the most dangerous. And then I think Chandler is going to have to start utilizing explosive takedowns when that, that, that overhand one, you know, one pop right is not going to work. Um, and that's when things are going to get a little bit dicey. I see this going into a, a decision, but a, you know, a unanimous decision for Dustin Poirier is what I think is going to happen. Yeah. I don't want to discount Michael Chandler because um, he does a lot of stuff that I, I like a him? whole I lot. Like I was discounting him? But I'm sorry. yeah, I just I'm sorry, Michael. <laughs> nope, just wanted to secure my position. Yeah, hey Michael, if yeah. you're listening, don't worry, I got your back. Um, when I when I see you after the uh, the after party, you just remember that <laughs> I, I bigged up you, uh, big up to you when when Josh didn't. Wait, all right, you whatever. You're not picking him to win. It's not important. Um, I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. Holy <laughs> Here, you know, Holy shit. I, I heard something really interesting actually was um, while I was prepping for this. I was listening to Laura Sanko and Dean Thomas uh, preview this fight, and Dean Thomas said uh, Dustin Poirier fights to win fights, and Michael Chandler fights to win fans. Yeah. And I thought that summed up the difference between these two. Yeah, perfectly. Um, I love watching Michael Chandler fight, but I don't. He's I don't just think not, he's not going to get this one. Uh, I think he'd have to make some substantial changes to beat the the top echelon, but I don't even care because I just love watching him so much. And he's such a he seems like such a good dude. You know, I don't know. He might be a total dick. I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But we're going to run with him being a good dude. And I said it. I've never met him, but tell your friends, okay, everybody. All right. I'll tell him when okay, I see him at the end. I'll be there party. with you. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> next fight. <laughs> Carla Esparza plus two seventy five. And this is for the it's the women's flyweight. Strawweight, excuse me. Uh Strawweight. Championship of the world. Five round fight. Carla Esparza is the current champion at plus two seventy five. And Zhang Wei Li is minus three thirty. Why don't you kick us off on that, Buck? Well, I'll start with the champion. Carlos Barza is like a pure throwback, like collegiate wrestler. She, yeah, Dance like over. an old school, <laughs> nose to the grindstone wrestler, wrestler, wrestler. It's awesome. I you listen to interviews where she says like um, when she was previewing for Yan Nan, she was like prepared for her fourth takedown to work. And she got her down in one, of course. But you listen to her talk. She's like, I'm ready to shoot and then shoot and then shoot and then shoot until you're down to the ground. And that's just like a dogged pressure that doesn't come from anybody else but wrestlers. She's got awesome top pressure. She's got the best, like, she's got the most ground control in the strawweight division. Um, And she's strong. And, you know, for being only five foot one. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, you know, she, and 
she stays too far away and she has to like crash into her opponents to initiate those takedowns because she has to close the distance really fast because she is still five foot one and and her striking has not reached the level of her wrestling. I don't even think it's improved all um, that much. And and yeah, Wei Li got taken down a couple of times um, in her last shot at the title against Rose. But I think that there's just a, there's so much difference between getting like a surprise by a sneaky takedown uh, from Rose while you're trying to defend like striking, which is such a significant threat. And if you're standing across from Carla, you know she's going to shoot. You know that everything she's going to do on the feet is in service of getting her takedowns. And that means you can prepare for those takedowns a lot better. Um, and Zhang is strong. She's stronger than anyone else Carla's fought. She is fast, faster than most people Carla has fought as well. Um, and I don't think she's going to have this. <laughs> I mean, I know she's not going to have this mental hangup that Rose did. And that's what, that's how Carla got the belt in her last fight, in my opinion, is Rose lost and Carla got the belt because she was yeah, there. Yeah, but I mean, let's let's um, be candid. Though. It, it takes two to tango. And if there's one thing I've seen from Carla is on some of these title fights, you know, you, you talk about her being a dogged wrestler, but she freezes quite a bit in these big, in these big moments. Yeah. And while Rose Namuanas is someone you have to fear on the outside with her agility and her quickness, she doesn't have that, that core strength that you see from someone like Zhang Wei Li. So, you know, there's a lot more of a threat to get taken down if she gets too close to Carla, which is why she's trying to stay out there the whole time. Now, I think that, uh, Namuanas is better Brazilian jiu-jitsu than Zhang Wei Li. But Zhang Wei Li is, is extremely powerful. You know, and, and the thing about her is she's the consummate professional, right? She's not real flashy, doesn't give uh, you know, great interviews. She's not like a, a media personality or anything like that, but she takes the sport extremely seriously. And we've seen a lot of growth and development from Zhang Wei Li. Uh, relative to some of the other competitors in the division. And here's an example. So she went down when she was training for uh, Rose Namuanas. She went and trained with Henry Cejudo. We taught her a lot about, you know, the wrestling game and, and, and you know, how to, to, to break through people that are trying to be on the outside. And, you know, and, and I think that it worked pretty well because that was one hell of a competitive fight that she put up against Rose Namuanas. If you compare and contrast that against Carlos Sparza. And then just recently she brought in Josh Hinger, Josh Hinger, another really decorated Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, uh, grappler, etc., to train her. And um, I was listening to her training schedule and the way that she takes it and how seriously she takes it. It just shows to me that she really wants to be the champion, whereas I believe that Carla does too. But I haven't seen a tremendous amount of growth and development in Carla Sparza's game. She's so reliant upon that wrestling. And, uh, you know, like a throwback fighter, a little bit of a one-trick pony, I don't think anybody fears her shots at all or her striking, her kicking, or anything like that. And so we all know what she's going to do, but she's going to be going up against someone here that is, uh, that's a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, uh, has better striking, and I, you know, has really focused on the wrestling game and her, her own personal growth and development. And I think that she's going to take this one rather handedly. Zhang Wei Li, by the way. 
Zhang Weili's got it. I think um, the two pieces of evidence that I need are um, the fight where Weili won the title originally against Jessica Andrade. Um, if Carlo Esparza tries to move forward and 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 charge in on a straight line like Andrade did, she's going to meet the same fate. She's going to get, you know, collar ties. She's going to get knees. She's going to get elbows. Yeah. And it's going to suck for however long it lasts. And that, like, like incredible anti-grappling that she showed against Andrade, that was before she started working with Cejudo. And Davison Figueredo, the flyweight champion, oh, was okay. also at yeah, that camp. That's good. So... As good as Carla Esparza, as good as Carla Esparza is, I don't think she's gonna apply the same grappling pressure as Davison Figueredo and Henry Cejudo. I they're just, I think they're, it's gonna be tougher to roll with them than her, um, and I think Whaley's not gonna encounter anything that she's not ready for. I think Whaley finishes her, uh, inside oh, the distance. Okay, I'm glad we're in agreement there. And also, if anyone doesn't know. Uh, I am a, a collector of MMA memorabilia. And the thing that stands out to me, you're wondering where I'm going with this right now, aren't you, Buck? Uh, I am. There's not a lot of women's MMA memorabilia out there yet, like fight-worn stuff. But Carla Esparza does sell all of her weigh-in bikinis. And it's the only one that I've been able to find. I haven't <laughs> bought any yet. I thought I was, you know, there's like a cookie, a cookie Monster thong bikini or something like that. And I was like, eh. I'm going to pass, but maybe she wins this fight. I'll have to go back and make a bid on it. I don't know. Check out your – no. You think? I don't. You just want to hang that up in like uh, hang that up in the living room? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, I think, I so think you might be so right. I'm going to go ahead and pass that one. All right, you want to talk about MMA. Uh, let's get off women's weigh-in bikinis. Uh, Izzy Adesanya, if you don't know, now you know, and Alex Bahia. For those that don't know, that need to know, Izzy uh, is 0-2 against Alex Bahia in kickboxing. And that's he was really brought in uh, as a way to bring some excitement to the middleweight division. And, you know, I think he's done that in spades. He's had some really good performance against Sean Strickland, knocked him clean out, even though I thought Sean fought a really stupid fight that night. Uh, he's looked okay against the grapplers. You know, he hasn't fought anyone super high level. Yet there, but he's not fighting a grappler, is he, Buck? Nope. Why don't you take no, this he's away? Not. This is the perfect. A- Alex Pajeda has had the perfect UFC career so Rina, far. Right? He's had three strikers in a row. Um, two of those strikers have tried to wrestle him, but weren't super great at it. Um, he beat the brakes off both of them. Uh, and then Sean Strickland decided that he was going to go mono e mono and yeah, got really exactly did. what he deserved for it. Idiot. So, Pajeda has a couple of really, really good weapons um, that has gotten him through his kickboxing career that began in boxing in Brazil. And the n- number one technique yep. that he has is his left hook. Alex Pajeda's left hook is awesome. And uh, a very decent percentage of his his striking game is in service of setting up that left hook. He has he throws his kicks in a way um, where he when he he 
he chops to the lead leg. He doesn't turn his hip over like you're technically supposed to so that he can retract it quickly and plant and immediately turn his low kick into uh, a, a left hook. He jabs to the body so that he can um, duck under returning strikes and rise with his left uppercut. He has a lot of tips and tricks and little techniques to apply these devastating one-shot knockout punches. Uh, And he can do them pretty frequently, too. You know, he's... So with that being said, he is not the striker that Izzy is. Izzy is. (laughs) Too many Zizzizzizz. He's not the same level of striking as Adesanya. Yeah, that was in the that sounds a lot better. Well, so in those kickboxing fights, Pajeda won both of them, but I'm going to put an asterisk by that and say that I thought Adesanya should have won the first one. Um, I think it was close, but I think it should have gone to Adesanya. And in the second one, Adesanya was winning comfortably um until of course he got hit with the perfect shot and it put him clean out um but both of those fights israel striking was clever enough crafty enough and complex enough that alex Bejeda was having a really difficult time applying his game um what izzy does better than anybody else um at middleweight for sure and almost everyone else in in the UFC, is his feints. He throws very, very convincing feints, and he uses, like, the exact right amount. He can change his stances. He changes stances with kicks, with punches, with angles in and out, and, and at the same time is pumping fake jabs, pumping fake cheap kicks and using his his fainted leg kicks to switch stances he's just layers on layers of craft and skill in his striking and and I have seen a lot of development in his striking and his game just like we were talking about with Zhang Wei Li he has shown a lot of development in his striking and his fainting in his craft since coming to the UFC. And I think he's adapted to MMA a lot better than Pajeda has. Um, That's partially because when Israel was kickboxing, he was kickboxing at the same time as he was having his early MMA career, and he was kickboxing in service of his MMA career. So he adapted his kickboxing game to MMA really well because that's how he built it. And... I think Israel will be able to use more tools in MMA, longer clinches, cage wrestling, um, and and trips and things like that that he didn't have access to in kickboxing. And I think that's going to give him an an advantage in this third fight despite having lost the first two. Yeah, so I'm going to piggyback on a couple things that you said. So you you said that one of his biggest strengths is his feints. I, I will absolutely agree with you there. I think there's two other things that we haven't discussed. One is his angles. And and I'll throw in setups yeah. too. And the third one is his footwork. Mm-hmm. Now, 
I first of all, I want to say thank you for your preparation on that. I too went back and watched those fights, and I saw exactly what you said. Uh, the first fight that he he had in kickboxing against Pajeda was in China, and I thought that he won that fight. The second one was in Brazil, and you know what what we didn't elaborate on was the first round was really close. The second one, uh, Izzy was beating him handily. He had him up against the the uh, the ring. And he was peppering him, and it looked like it could technically have been stopped in the second round. And then the third round came out, and he got hit by that left hook. So when we talk about feints, we talk about footwork, we talk about angles. The primary difference that I see right now, outside of the additional experience that Izzy Adesanya has, is the fact that the ring in a boxing or a kickboxing ring is much more restrictive to your foot movement than a cage is going to be. Right, a lot more space to play with. It's really difficult unless you're very seasoned MMA uh, guy to be able to, to trap somebody up against the cage and back them up. I haven't really seen anybody back up Izzy Adesanya. Um, gosh, I know his name's escaping right now. Uh, who is the uh, the Porter? Not Puerto Rican. Uh, no, Marvin no. Vittori, the Italian the stallion. I love you. No. Paulo Costa. Yoel Romero. Oh, yeah. Yoel Romero. I mean, he didn't get trapped up with Yoel Romero either. And I've heard some people come out, analysts say that, well, you know, because of all the experience in MMA, there's a chance he's going to do like what Francis Nagano did against Cyril Gaon, and he's going to uh, all of a sudden become this grappler. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe the hype. What I think is going to happen is this is going to be um, a relatively slow fight with a lot of gamesmanship, a lot of footwork, a lot of keeping the distance because Izzy clearly respects – Alex and, and what Alex can do but I think there's some wrinkles to this game right now with it not taking place in a kickboxing cage and the fact that he just doesn't have the experience that Izzy does you know maybe Izzy can get some trips in there maybe can't but you know um, Alex Pahea is, is really big for the weight class he's much larger than Izzy is so if Izzy is able to back him up at all or you know keep him whiffing you know with his his, his footwork and his movement then I think Pajeda or Pajeda is going to get tired and I just think that that Izzy Adesanya is extremely crafty and I think that people are are underestimating him because they're again looking at the last couple fights and you know they're they're you know oh you know Pajeda won against Izzy twice 10 years ago whatever it was and uh you know Izzy's had a couple slow fights recently where he got a lot of critique and so yeah we're going to go and take Alex Pajeda but no, no, don't do that. I think that this is, I think Izzy is going to be the winner. It comes down now. That's not to say Alex doesn't have the tools to win this fight because he clearly does with his power. But there's a lot of other intangibles that can't be measured in there that are going to happen that are going to, to turn this into the favor uh, for Izzy, I believe. Um. Yeah, it's just, I, I could, I don't think I. I'm going to disagree with you. I, I'll even point out that um, Pajeda has kind of faded in the later rounds of some of his fights. Um, and when he was a kickboxer, those are three-minute rounds. So if you are in a championship kickboxing match with five rounds, that's only 15 minutes. He's never fought for 25 that's before. That's a big deal for those um, that know. That's a, that's a and big I, deal to be out there for 25 minutes. The last 10 minutes – it's like the last six minutes of a yep. or six miles of a marathon. That's a whole nother race. Yep. That's tough. Um, and and yeah, with the cage with more sides, 
uh, those the angles get a lot wider. It's a lot harder to to trap somebody in a corner in an octagon uh, than it is to in the ring. Um, and and yeah, even though I don't think I agree with you, I don't think Izzy is going to go full D one in Ganu and shoot for a double leg and 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 wrestle him for the whole fight. I think there is a lot more to MMA grappling than just takedowns and and ground control. And I think cage wrestling is wholly unique to MMA. And and I believe that even though he's a fancy dancing outside striker, I think Israel is perfectly capable of slowing the pace down and weighing on Alex and tiring him out by forcing him against the cage and grinding him there when he needs to. I think he has a lot of options of how he can address this fight. Um, and I think Alex Pajeda has his game, and he's just going to have to make it work no matter what Izzy does, and Izzy can do Yeah, he's got more opportunities more to win, and I think Alex can. is going to be pretty dependent upon that, that knockout left hook. And so what does that mean? It means early on you're going to see those coming, even though he's skilled enough and, and technical enough to, to not unleash in the beginning, but... He's going to try and set some stuff up. But if he doesn't hit those in the first couple of rounds, I think you're going to start to see him fade, especially with all the missing that's going to be going on. But I think there's going to be a lot of gamesmanship. I think it's there's a really good chance this could be an absolute snooze fest, just like Izzy makes with a lot of other fighters. Um, a lot of really, really bad fights come out when he's taking on someone that he feels is dangerous to him. Um, neither here nor there. But it's just what I've seen from him. You know, people said that about Anderson Silva at one point. So you know, yeah, and I guess they said that's about good GSP company. too. Well, and hey, John you know Jones what? at the end, and if John Jones for the his with, career. If he had to be lumped in with anybody, GSP, Anderson Silva, and John Jones is not a bad group. Is there a so better I group? Think things are looking no, I guess up for Israel. Uh, Khabib would be the only, or Habib would be the only other one I would say. Huh? Yeah, you're right. Okay, so just use that. If you have any arguments in a bar, play that little sound bite and tell them to shut the fuck up, right? We're no longer kid-friendly, are we? Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, I think uh, I, yeah I think hide I've your kids, by the way. I've used more foul language on this one than Saved I ever it. have, but I'm starting to get comfortable uh, with just being myself. No longer a facade, ladies and gentlemen. All right, that being said, we're below the 40-minute mark. Congratulations to us. Congratulations to you guys. Um what are you doing this weekend? You got plans? I do know you. you Buffalo know me. Wild Wings. I'm gonna get. I'm getting into BW3. it. That's it, dude. I just yep. want to listen to everybody scream. I'm gonna have a great time. We're all gonna be cheering and hollering, and uh, yep. that's what it's I, all uh, about. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do on this one yet. This is one of the first ones I don't have plans for, and I'm kind of excited about that because it's gonna give me a chance to really watch the fights. Whether I do that at home by myself or I get one or two buddies over, uh, not 100 percent sure. So, that being said. Everyone that's taking the time to listen to us, thank you so much. And we hope that you enjoyed it. And we hope that uh, things are, are getting better as we're going and kind of getting through this whole process. We were a little bit new. And I don't feel like we're new anymore. I feel like we've we got a good, a good pattern here. So, um, yeah, we're established. We're established, All right. baby. Well, everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights. Thanks again for taking the time. And we can't wait to talk to you all again next time. Cage Wisdom over and out. <laughs>